time to go through all of it. So I came. I came to do the helper in the garden and stuff, and the topic about school came up. And uh, folks, I've not been the easiest person to deal with. You are free to judge me, but I suggest to you that judgment is not for you. I have been in school and I've quit four times. Four different schools. But the Lord has seen it fit to give me yet again another opportunity. And the talk, the, the, the topic came, up, came out, what are you doing about school? I was like, I'm thinking about it. And I happened to go up to uh, my dear folks in uh, Visalia, and they, they, the topic came up again, and they said, uh, why don't you check out Loma Linda for the School of Dentistry? My dear brother-in-law is a professor there. Surely he must have some next sense. So, condensed version of the story, we checked out Loma Linda, we found out that, hey, there is a way to get in, but I need to do three years in the U.S. Three months, three days. We applied to Lulasiera, got accepted, I went back home, going to face the visa people. Now remember, I have a tourist visa going to the U.S. I've been to the U.S. many times. This, I thought, was not a problem. I will surely get this visa. I went to the embassy. And they, de they denied me the visa for one simple reason. They said, sir, I don't see why you should go to the U.S. and spend so much money to go to school when you can go to school here in Trinidad. I said, okay. I came out and I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I finally decide that I'm going back to school. I'm willing to go. I have just paid out for my vehicle. Now it's the time for me to make profit. And here I said, okay, it's a big step I'm taking now to go back to school. I'm going to leave that behind. So we checked out a few schools. We checked out Mexico. We checked out South Africa. And then we went back to the Philippines. And if you know a little bit about me, I have been to the Philippines. And I've had some really rough experiences there. And honestly, I didn't want to go back there. And if I remember correctly, it was my brother-in-law who said, Robin, why don't you study medicine? And I said, uh, why not? I said to myself, why not? You know, it was the same brother-in-law when he gave me my first Bible. He asked me, what do you want to become in life? I was very young. And I wrote, I want to become a medical, I told him I want to become a medical doctor. And I remember his handwriting in that Bible. May you become a successful medical doctor. Folks, I have always been scared of becoming a doctor. I've always been scared of medicine. For many reasons. Number one, I don't think I have the brain capacity for that thing. Number two, I do not have the discipline. Number three, I do not have the time. But we have agreed and we checked out and we looked for schools in the Philippines. And then we found out that medicine there, with any degree, you can do four years and you can graduate. It was the best option, folks. And the Lord has seen it to me that I got into school there. 
I got accepted, which was another miracle. And I have finished one year of medicine. I could not have done it without the Lord. If I have been through some tough things in my life, but I suggest to you that the most toughest thing I've done is this past year of medicine. You see, folks, I've been in this school. It's a Catholic school. I'm a seven, only seven Adventists in my batch. And you face your lecturers, and they are, they, tr they are on a high level such that they are looked at as gods. You cannot go against them. What they say goes. You cannot say anything outside from what they say. You must salute them. You give them the respect that is due to them. If you do not, you will be persecuted. You see, folks, I also have a family. This past year, I spent the f during the re week, if I get four hours sleep, I get a lot. If I get five hours, it's plenty during the week. And the Lord has seen me through this. I have never known that I can sit for four and five hours and study. I couldn't have done it. The only time I studied like this was for final exams in school. But here, every night, you had to put in this time. But thank God, he's alive. And today I'm going to share with you a story from Daniel 3. How many of you know the story of the, the three Hebrew boys? Let me see a show of hand. Everybody, everybody. I am not going to go through the whole story, read the whole story. We know the story. Amen? And this story is the story of my life, how I things I've learned. You see, the story started in Daniel 3. It didn't start it, but I'll start from Daniel 3, where ne Nebuchadnezzar the king had made this image of gold, and he had set it on this plane. His blessing, he has now made his God. You see, this image he was given, this image was a dream to represent how he should deal with his, his rulership. But he has now made this image, his, his, he has now made his blessing his God. And sometimes we do that today. Sometimes when the Lord bless us with something, we make it our God. We make our degrees our God. We make our cars our gods. We make our houses our gods. You know? And watch this. The blessing came because of these three boys and Daniel. Isn't it? Through Jesus. Jesus revealed the dream to, to Daniel and his friends. The same people who have been influential in him getting the blessing are now at test. You see, folks, sometimes you help people. Doc, sometimes you will help people, and those same people will turn against you. Those same people will try to persecute you. You see, the story goes on to say that this king set up this image. And when all was invited, these big people, the magistrates, the counselors, the treasurers, they were all invited. 
But there's a problem. The king has given them their positions. But now, because he has given them their position, he has set up an element for worship. Do we have a problem for worship nowadays? Now they have to worship. The king, I give you your job. I give you, you are, you are who you are because of what the king has done. Now you worship this image. And today, the issue of worship is still a problem. Some of you don't believe me because some of you think that, okay, it's maybe just worship it on Sunday. But look at it. It says when the music starts playing, you must bow down and worship. And I see a few young folks here today. And also the older folks, we have this problem with music. Some of us are listening to the devil's music all week and come on Sabbath. And we want to sing gospel. Who are we worshiping? You see, folks underestimate the devil. His specialty is music. If I'm a doctor and then I go and I special cardio, what will I be doing? Satan's specialty is music. He is the head. He used to be the head musician in heaven. You think that he won't use his? Do you all see what music has done? What's happening in the world today? People in even in our churches during the week you are worshiping, worshiping the devil. Come and sing. Holy. You see, folks, many people in churches out of fear. And the same situation here, people bow down because of fear of losing their job. Remember, whoever didn't bow down would be cast into the, the fire. So now they are, they, are, they are bowing down because of fear of losing of not, not fitting in. Fear of not being someone like everybody else. You see, folks, the media also has spent a lot of time teaching us so many things that we don't realize. I'm just from South Africa, and there's this new movement there with this lady. She's set up this dating site. And she has a, a grander following. You know what's the motto of this dating site? Life is too short. Have an affair. You see, folks, the devil has his hands wrapped around every single thing that you can think about. To the point that he has people fearful of not fitting in. We worried if he would be different. People call us all kind of things. But I assure you, there are three guys who stood out in the midst of all these people that bow down. There are three people. Was that the majority? Is three the majority? Is the majority always correct? No. Three of them stood out. And I suggest to you today that when you stand out for Jesus Christ, 
people will notice you. Why I say this? Remember earlier on I told you that the devil is upset at you? When you stand out for Jesus Christ, you become a target. If the devil has someone who goes to the club, smoke marijuana, do as they please, commit adultery, he's not worried about that person. His gun is aimed at you for being here. So that's why the fire is being turned up in your life. That's why some of us have hard times. That's why we are going through such a difficult moment in our lives. I suggest to you that if you are having too easy of a time, there might be something wrong somewhere. Oh, some of you. Some of you are looking at me that I'm saying something wrong here. You see, folks, the Jesus that I knew is not the God who necessarily wants to give you everything. His main priority on planet Earth is to save you. And saving you might mean cancer, that you might lose a loved one, you might struggle in life. Number one goal is to save you. Are we clear? His number one priority is to save you. And also, when you decide to become a Christian, I suggest to you that you signed up for trouble. When you decide to become a Christian, you see some, some of these uh, tele-evangelists, they tell you, oh, you plant the seed, God is going to give you so much. Guys, don't be misled by these things. The Lord, when you signed up for Jesus Christ, you signed up for trouble. Let me illustrate. Come here, Job. Job was mining his own business. He was going through his life just doing what the Lord says to do. The Bible says Job was a righteous man, isn't it? Now, who shows up in heaven? The devil, Satan. Who calls the devil? Did he go to God, the Lord? No. The Lord say, hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Who calls out Job? Was it Satan? God calls, up, God calls out your name. Have you considered my servant? Have you considered my servant? God was the one who called out Job's name. It was not Satan, guys. Have you considered my servant Job? Here is his resume. Pulled the file out, handed it to the devil, and said, Here, elder. He handed it to the devil. Here. This is elder's resume. Here is a man. Worthy of trials. Are you worthy of trials today? We go through life wanting the Lord to take away our trials, folks. But I suggest to you that God is going to send trials our way. 
and I will show you why he will going to se he's sending trials our way. He's the one calling the shots on your life. He's the one ultimately have control. And I suggest to you today that whilst the devil may set the stage, whilst he may set you up in life for something bad, the Lord ultimately is in control. You see, folks, when I go through this past year, I've been with many medical students, and we all struggle. I've had people come and cry to me, Robin, why, why do I have to do, why, why I, I can't do this? I have people who have think A's in class, failing class. One day I had one student come up to me and she's crying. She's like, Robin, I don't know what to do. I don't think I'll make it through. And I said, uh, what's your grade? The passing is actually 37, full point is 50. If you get 37 points, you passed. So I said, my friend, what's your grade? She said, Robin, I got 33. And she's just, I said, uh, you know how much I got? I said, I didn't pass also. She said, what? You didn't pass? She said, Robin, how much you got? I said, I got 29. Her eyes opened big like this. She's like, you mean you got 29? And then you behave like this? You're happy. You act like if nothing is wrong. And I, I put my hand on her and I said, my friend, if we cry, if we worry, if we stress about it, is it going to change your grade? It doesn't. It doesn't. And I got some really amazing opportunity to share the Lord with Jesus, with, 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 with these people. I got opportunity to share with these Catholics about the, the state of the dead. I got so many opportunities because to see that you and I can go through the same thing that they go through, but not react the same way that they do. Let me point it out. Come here, Joseph. I call Joseph out. Joseph. Here's a young man who just had the favor of his father and favor of God, wearing his nice pretty coat, his brothers wants to kill him. They throw him in a ditch. They sold him as a slave. Now this is somebody who's following God. This is somebody who has God's favor on them. But Satan set him up. Okay, sold him as a slave. Potiphar bought him. He elevated Things happen. You know the story. Thrown into prison. That's God's prison. That's God's child in prison? That's God's child in prison? Are you going through a tough time today? Are you feeling that, uh, that things are not working out? That God doesn't love you? Look at Joseph. But the man had a faith that we need to have, folks. You see, even in prison, he found a job. He found a job in prison. He was blessing people out of his suffering. He was still finding moments to bless other people. Out of my suffering, I was going through the same thing that these students were going through. But I took the time off to talk to them. I took the time off to minister to them.
I took the time off to present Jesus to these folks. When we go through life, if we're suffering in our hard times, bandage your wounds and help somebody else. You see, this is what being a Christian is about. It's just giving out of your excess. It's giving out when you don't have any more to give. It's giving when you cannot afford to give. You see, folks, in medical school, time is very essential. People believe I spend more than five or ten minutes with you. I'm wasting my time. I have to study. But I tell you, folks, there are times I spend an hour, hour and a half talking to people, encouraging them. Putting my studies aside. I will only know if I pass on May 15th. But whether I pass or I fail, I'm thankful. Because the Lord has seen me through this year. And I've been able to bless somebody. I've been able to show somebody the Lord. I've been able to point somebody to Christ. Now what's the three Hebrew boys? They're in the same situation as everybody else. But they decided to stand up for Jesus Christ. And the, king, the, the people watching. Now these are the same people. Look, these are the same people. That are there because of the three Hebrew boys. They have their jobs still because of these three guys. If no one had kept the Jews, they would be dead. The Babylonians, when the king made a law, the law was as good as done. They are there because of these guys. And now, you have these news carriers running to the king. Oh, king, there are three guys who didn't bow down. There is some Adventist who didn't stand, who didn't go to the club. There is that friend who didn't falter. There is somebody who didn't want to hang out with us today. You see, you will stand out, folks. You will stand out. If you continue to be a Christian for the Lord, you will stand out. And people are going to notice you. So the three guys are there. They are taken to the king. The king gives them the message. What happened? You didn't, you missed your cue. It's your time to compromise and you didn't. He gave them the whole speech there. And then they said, King, we don't care about your speech, what you have to say. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. It said, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. Now watch the words carefully. Eh? The boys didn't say, our God whom we serve will deliver us. He said he's able. The boys said he is able. It doesn't mean that he will, but he's able. He's able to take you, through, take you out of whatever situation you are going through. But he has a bigger purpose for you. He is able to deliver us. But if not, let it be known unto you that we will not bow down or serve you. You see, folks, can we stand up and say that we have that kind of faith today? That even if we are destroyed for our faith, we will still stand up. 
We talk about the time of trouble and persecution. And all. Are we ready for this thing? Are we ready for this kind of fire? Are we ready to face the time of the end? If it's not so, if he's not going to deliver us, we will not bow down. You see, folks, we come to church many times. We are filled with our families, and we give our thanksgiving to God. But our praise, our praise must not always be based on what God did for us. It must be based on who God is. If we are only looking forward and praising God and based on what he does for us, we will not make it very far in life. We will not even make it to heaven, I suggest. Because there are going to come times when the blessings will not flow as you want it to flow, folks. There's going to come a time when you might end up even being broke. There may going to come a time when your, your loved ones won't be around you. Will you still have faith? Will you still praise the Lord? This is the time when our, our faith, our praises should be on who God is to us, folks. Not just what he does. We have a savior who came down, as our brother elder came and said, he came down and he died for just, just me. If it was just me, he would die for me. So the three boys are there. And they stood up. When the king responds, the Bible says, the Bible said, and the Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. You know what fury? It's anger taken to another level. How many of you upset the devil today? How many of you left home praising the Lord? How many of you left home in a happy mood, even those? How many of you on the freeway, somebody cut in front of you and you were singing still? Huh? How many of you, someone gave you a bad drive and you were still happy, God bless you? Or you shouted, or you honked the horn. <laughs> Folks, this is real. It has to start with the simple things in life. If you are waiting for some grand experience to happen, you are not ready for a grand experience. We still come to church and we wonder, okay, why is that person in church? I am upset at that person. Why is she here? She's a sinner. And we're ready to walk out. I'm going to change my membership. Oh, I'm going to leave the Adventist church. How many of us come to church and we behave like that? Some bad things happen in church. The storm comes sometimes come inside the church, folks. And because of medicine, I've understood that the church is like a hospital. What did I say the church is like? When you go to a hospital, do you ever hear the, the cancer patients talking about the, the heart patients? Do you hear them complaining about each other? Do you hear them trying to put each other down? Or everyone inside there is just trying to get well? Everyone in the hospital, I'm just trying to get well. But we are in church here, we're fighting with each other. And when something's happened, we want to leave. When the fire happens in church, we want to leave. We want to go somewhere else. In our families, we have so many t issues that are happening. And when we want to turn off, I don't want to talk to this brother. I don't want to talk to this sister anymore. 
and we close our eyes, are we standing up for the Lord? Are we making the devil upset? You see, I suggest to you that the most, the most top way to make the, uh, the devil upset is to love. You know why? God is love. If you want to be anything outside of love, you're teaming up with the devil. He's not upset with you. In fact, he likes you then. But if you love someone, if you care somebody for someone, even if they are they say bad stuff about you, folks, look at look at let, you know, not let's let's put my experience beside. Let's look at Christ. Let's look at Jesus. Here is the King of Kings. Came down and they spit on him. Now this is a this is a God who has all power. If it was me, if it was me. If I was the one and I had this power, that same saliva as it's on its way towards me, I would just think, please. I would just think, okay, turn around, change direction, saliva. Turn into glass, into small, fine arrows of glass. And I want to pierce every pain receptor from the sender. It would be me. But here is a God who has all power who has all authority, allowed the created to nail him on a cross. And of all that, say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they have done. You see, see we are always praying, Lord, help me to be Christ-like. Can you be Christ-like like that? When you're in a position of authority, and somebody said something bad or somebody insulted you. you. Will you nail them? Or will you say, Father, forgive them? You see, folks, this is not easy stuff to live. I'm telling you not because I've conquered it all. I, I struggle with these things. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they have done. And it didn't finish there, folks. The cross is about to die. In his worst moment, in the moment when he felt so alone, in the moment when he had no company, in a moment when pain was as it, at its highest, he took the time off to save a thief on the next cross next to him. Can you take the time off outside of your pain to save somebody in similar Guys, this is, this is real stuff. For, for me, it's real. I found out that if I am to be a Christian, I must be like Christ. Can I do that? Can I say, well, okay, I'm going through a tough time in life, and then, then somebody come with the same problem. Can I bandage myself and try to help this person? Or do I say, hey, I am in the same problem like you. Let's pray about it. You know, that's normal Adventist way. We'll pray about it. But sometimes you are an answered prayer to that person, folks. You're praying, you're praying, but you are the answer to the prayer. Why don't you answer the prayer that is you yourself is, being, is praying? Some folks, they are here now. They're facing the king. And in this moment, when they know what they say, they, they know they know the fire can burn them. 
I know if I help this boy again, I know what he can do to me. I know he can hurt my feelings. And I salute, I salute my dear sister and brother-in-law and all the people who's helping me. Because I've caused some hurt feelings. But here they are, they took, the, they took up the, the opportunity again to help me, to see me, to, to go through school. I know what he might do. I know what he's of. I know what the fire can do to us. The fire can burn us. But I will not bow down. Why? In the verse that the elder read, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always be with you. You see, folks, many people think uh, there's a system that life uh, as a Christian is a bed of roses. And I come to agree with that statement. Life as a Christian is like a bed of roses. It's beautiful. But it's tough. If I were to make a bed here with roses, let me see a volunteer who will lie down on it. Let me see a volunteer. Anyone? It looks beautiful. But when you lie down on a bed of roses, there are some thorns there. There's some thorns there. So being a Christian, folks, it's like a bed of roses. It's beautiful. But it has those moments where you, you experience some pain. So here they are going to face this moment in their life. And the devil is upset at them. And here now, they get the strongest people to throw them in the fire. Now, being in the position that they are in, I would like to imagine that some of those men that put them in the fire were their friends. They have a high position. They were rulers in, in this land. So, of course, they would have an idea who is the strongest among them. They probably established relationships. And folks, do, do you know that sometimes the devil would use your friends to throw you in the fire? Sometimes the devil does that. He'll use your friends to throw you in the fire. The very people you trusted, he will use to throw you in the fire. And sometimes we see a situation. And we know what it is going to do to us. So we turn away. We fight with the Lord. We know I'm not going there. I'm not going to help that person. I'm not, you, know, you know what that person can do? Some people, who, some people call you on your cell phone. And when you see that certain number is there, I don't want to answer this. I know what they, I don't want to answer this. I know what's on the other side. But here you see the three guys. They didn't struggle. The Bible didn't record that they struggled saying, oh, I don't want to go in the fire. They went into the fire, folks. And I imagine it's something like this. As those boys were about to be thrown into the fire, there's no record that they prayed, but I think they prayed in their minds. Father, be with us. And I, when I kind of look into the throne room of God with the angels or whoever took that prayer up, and then it gets to God the Father, and then he looks at this prayer and he said, okay, um, this is urgent, guys. 
We need somebody to get down there now. So he called the seraphim. How long can you take to get down? Oh, we'll take about five minutes. Ah, it's too slow. But the father said, it's too slow. Then he probably called the cherubim. Uh, they're probably a little bit faster. They probably can get there faster. So he said, how long? Maybe two minutes. Two minutes tops. No, it's too slow. Then he called Gabriel. You know, Gabriel, Gabriel is a big timer in heaven, I would imagine. You know, when he walks around, he walks with authority. He called Gabriel. How long can you? I can get there in the speed of light. Oh, that's impressive. Speed of light, yeah. Ah, that's, that's a little bit too slow. Then he said, where is my son Jesus? He called Jesus. There is no answer. Jesus, there is no answer. Then he shouted again, Jesus. And then from the fire, there is a voice coming up. Yes, my father, I'm already down here with them. You see, folks, the Lord wants to see us through the fire. He doesn't want to take, us, take the fire away from us. He will see us through the fire. And if he promised, I will be with you always, not sometimes. Always means that I am going to be with you in the fire. So here is three guys in the fire. You see, folks, the scripture reading was going to all the word, all the word, preach, preach, the baptizing, all those set of things. You know this stuff really good. But you know when is your greatest sermon? When you're in the fire and people can see Christ in you. You see, folks, the three boys are there. And when the king looked inside this fire, it doesn't add up. We put in three. How come there's four? Hey, hey, guys, look. There is four. We put in three. That doesn't make sense. And then he said the fourth one looked like the son of God. You see, folks, this is a pagan king. Has he seen God before? He's never seen God. But how does he know what the Son of God looks like? It's because the three boys have been living the life of Christ. And if we as Christians, if we as Seventh-day Adventists can go forward and live the life of Christ, it is your greatest sermon. We wait for a preacher to come and preach something. But if you're in the fire and you can reflect Christ, it is your greatest sermon. You see, folks, your trials attract God to you. When you go through a rough time, he's there with you. First thing, okay? When you go through your trials, do not forget this. If you miss anything, do not forget this. When you go through your, your trials, it is your opportunity to show Christ to someone else. And, some, and most times, 
It's your greatest opportunity, opportunity to show Christ to the person that's persecuting you. To the person that has you in that fire anyhow. You see, folks, the next reason is when they throw them in, they throw them in bound, isn't it? Now, if I'm going to throw you in the fire, elder, why must I bound, bind your hands and feet? What's the reason for that? There's no really need for that. Why must I throw you in the fire and, and you, you tied up? There is no reason for that. If the guys who threw them in died, then by default, they should be dead. By default, if, if the same people who are just throwing you in the fire at the mouth of the fire, they died, then you should be dead as well. You see, folks, I had a visit of one pastor close to the end of medicine there. I had uh, met him earlier in, uh, in, in the school that I was at. And he visited and he said, how is medicine? I said, man, it's like hell. And then he looked at me and he said, but you do not look that like hell. I said, because God is faithful that when he takes you to through hell, you do not have to look like if you've been through hell. I will explain that more later. You see, so they bind him. They bind him and they throw them in. But in the fire, were they, what, what were they doing? Let me see, Bible students, you guys know this. What were they doing in the fire? They were walking around. So folks, you may think your trial is the worst thing for you. But I want to suggest to you that it's your greatest blessing. The very thing that held them back, that's the only thing that the fire burnt out. The things that hold you back in life, when you go through a tough time, God has a way of removing those things that hold you back. Let me illustrate. You see, sometimes I, I wonder, sometimes, you know, I go through some tough times. And then sometimes I found out that my, my, my wife, sometimes she got upset for ver some things that I really, I cannot understand. And over the years, I found that going through this fire, I have learned patience. I have learned to control myself. I have learned to not be so angry at people anymore. Only because I have been in the fire. And anger holds you back. Being impatient deprives you. You see, the fire is there to burn out the things that would hold you back from something that God has for you in the future. So, folks, when you are in the fire, thank Jesus because he's there with you in the fire. You see, the devil works like this. He has studied the human race. In fact, he knows genetics so well that he can look at your parents and kind of make a very accurate prediction of how that child may come out, of what genes that child will have. He knows your grandparents. 
He knows your great-grandparents. He knows their sins so well. So he thought that, hey, if I just put Elder in the right situation, he would start drinking alcohol. If I just put this brother in the right, next to the right lady, he would commit adultery. If I just get, get somebody to, to, to come up and say the right thing to, to you, my sister, you might get angry. But the thing that the devil did not cater for is Christ being with you. So I suggest to you folks that even when the devil sets the stage, Christ ultimately takes control of it and redeems you. He gets rid of the things that you do not need and at the same time, he helps you to reflect him, which is your greatest sinner. You see, folks, when, you, when they came out of this fire, the king did this, the sniff test. Oh, they don't even smell like smoke. When you have cancer and somebody come up to you and you act like Christ, when they find out that you have cancer, you don't, they say, what? You don't look like you have cancer. You don't look like you have a hard time at your job. You don't look like you're going through a rough marriage. You don't look like you people are beating down on you. You don't look like you have no money. Why? Because when Christ takes you through your trial, through your fiery furnace, you come out on the other side not looking like what you've been through. You see, folks, I'm almost finished. How do we go through the fire? There is a secret. Naturally, when you people are putting you in a tough situation, you resent it. That's the natural way to react. If they're going to put you in, you run, you kind of fight with it. How did these three boys handle the fire? You see, my friends, I understood this because of an experience I've had with my family. My dad had this piece of land close to the beach. And he built a beautiful grass house on this land. And uh, over time, we had missed, we, ha we had not been going to this place. So the grass around the house really grew high. And this was the type of grass, the same type of grass that we covered the house with. And this grass, when it's dried, if you light it a fire, it's a wonderful sight. It can burn. So my dad and they, they started going back to this place. And the neighbor and my dad, were, they were good friends. And just like how the devil and God, they were good friends at one point in time. My dad and the neighbor got into a fight. And they, the neighbor became so resentful and he became so upset that at midday, when we were all at this place, 
at midday. When the sun was the highest and the wind was blowing, he decided that he's going to light a fire by the road. Now, us kids are there close to the place. It's not, it's the grass is like this high, and it's already beaten with the sun, so it's dried. It, if you light that, it's like, it's going to burn. So my dad looked up and he saw smoke by the roadside. Within minutes, it turned into a really outrageous flame. And this flame started coming towards the house. Suddenly, I saw my dad run. He got a lighter. And he ran. If the fire is coming this way, the house, this is the house. In front of the house, he lit a fire. I was confused. Why will you light a fire when a fire is already coming? To my amazement, the fire, the small fires that he lit around the house burned outward. And then as it reached outward, it met with this big fire and soon they both died. What am I saying? The big fire could not burn something that had already been burnt. Are you with me? What am I saying? I'm saying today that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, I think it is. Don't you know that your body is the temple of God? Now let's look at the temple. The body is the temple of God. Are we okay on that? In the temple, when you walked in, you walk in there, you see the table of showbread, all these incense and stuff and what. Then you go into the most holy place. You'll find the ark. And on top of the ark, what is on top of the ark? The mercy seat. And then the, cher the, the, two the cherubim there. And between those cherubim, what do they have? The the Shekinah glory. Is the Shekinah glory a fire? It's a fire. Is that in the temple? So there's fire in the temple. So if you are the temple and there's fire inside of you, which there is the Holy Spirit inside of you, and the fire has burnt out what needs to go. Now you are the temple. Can the fire outside burn you? No way, folks. You are the temple. Because the three Hebrew boys represented the temple. The temple moved in, burnt out what was not needed. It was a control burn, which didn't consume them. So when things get rough in your life, if Jesus is within, you need not worry what's without. You see, folks, God wants a people in these last days who will stand firm. God wants a people who would be more like him. 
not just talk about him, but be like him. God wants a people who can, he can look at them and say, this is my temple. Not this building, but you, Elder. But me. But you. We are all little temples with fires inside of us. Though that when things get rough, we need not worry. We go through holding on to Jesus. Because there's coming a day when he's coming again. And all the things we have lost, or we think we have lost, if we've lost loved one, if we've lost our life, if we, lo we have lost things that we have wanted that they said, eyes have not seen, nor ears has, have heard what the Lord has in store for us. So if we go through a little trial, get excited with me. Because Jesus is there with you. If you go through a little hard time, get excited. Because Jesus is within us. Folks, this is how we are going to go through the last days. The fire is going to come and it's going to be in the form of the time of trouble. And if we don't get through with the simple things in life, our fires will be consumed. And then we'll burn up. When the problems come, we will burst out in anger. And we will lose it all. But when Jesus resides in our hearts, we can go through whatever in life and come out then on the next side rejoicing because over and over, again and again, God is faithful. You see, folks, as we move on, contemplate on what I've said and listen to this beautiful song as we come.